Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. As we continue in our our preaching service, uh, I've been in books of the Bible, like going through the entire book for some time now. So the last couple of weeks, God has just impressed upon me to kind of hit and miss a few things. And so today we're going to do a passage that uh, we haven't looked at in some time. I haven't preached from in some time. And it is Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. And we're looking at the golden calf. The worship of the golden calf. And you see, the Bible is filled with people that have control issues. Do you have control issues? Don't look at the person beside you. But we all have control issues at some point, don't we? Often mistakes that were made in the Bible, they did so because they didn't think God was acting fast enough or on their timetable. Unfortunately, God knows perfect timing for all that happens in our lives. And we cannot control that. So sometimes when we take matters into our own hands, we end up jumping the gun, so to speak. And sometimes the consequences are frustrating. And other times, they're quite devastating. Do you feel the need to maintain power over nearly every aspect of your life? I hope that you can learn from the Israelites today in this passage. Heed their cautionary tale of getting ahead of God. And if you do have control issues, I encourage you to give them to the Lord today. You see, control issues, we all have them, don't we? Some maybe more than others. But really... Does anyone like to be out of control? And I would say no. There was an illustration that Andy Cook shared one time. He said there was a man named Jack and he went out jogging one day. And as he passed the cliff, he got a little too close to the edge and suddenly found himself falling. On the way down, he managed to grab a branch, nearly yanking it out of the cliff. When he caught his breath, he realized that he was in a terrible jam. So he couldn't get up. And letting go clearly was not an option, so he began to scream, Hello, up there! Can anyone hear me? In a moment, a voice returned. Jack, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm down here. I can see you, Jack. Are you all right? Yes, but who are you and where are you? I am the Lord, Jack. I am everywhere. The Lord? You mean God? Yep, that's me. God help me, I promise that if you get me down from here, I'll stop sinning. I'll be a really good person and serve you for the rest of my life. Easy on the promises, Jack. Let's get you down first, then we can discuss those promises. I'll do anything, Lord. Just tell me what to do, okay? God said, okay, Jack, let go of the branch. What? I said, let go of the branch. Just trust me and let go. There was a long pause as Jack considered this offer. And then in a moment, Jack let out another yell that said, Hello, hello, is anybody else up there? He didn't want to let go. (coughs) And folks, sometimes we don't want to let go. Many are here today, have no problem loving God and worshiping Him and even obeying Him. The hard part comes. When we have to relinquish control of our lives 
Jesus himself said this about it. Let me show you this quick cross-reference in Matthew chapter 16. <coughs> he says in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and then follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. There are so many people that are entrenched in their own lives, and they do not want to give God control of their lives. They do not want to think that they need Jesus Christ. And in that moment, in holding on to your life and control so much, you are going to meet your bitter end, and some for eternity. But the drive to control our life is a primal need that is based on our, our drive to survive. Letting go is never easy. This morning we are brought to an impasse, a point of no return where there are only two choices. Trust God or take matters into your own hands. And we see what happens when the Israelites take matters into their own hands. The first thing we see in verses 1 through 6 is to resist the temptation to take control when you think God is taking too long. Resist the temptation to take control when you think God is taking too long. Let me ask you something. How long is too long for God? I would say that there is no too long for God. There's too long for us because a lot of times when God says he has one of three answers in prayers, right? Yes, no, or wait. We love the yeses. We don't like the noes. But we cannot stand the waits. Because usually when God tells us to wait on something, he's trying to build our faith, build our trust, build our dependence upon him. So with that, let's look at our passage in Exodus 32, starting with verse 1. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So, first of all, Moses is the one, if you remember, God called to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt, eventually becoming the Israelites. And Moses said, I'd love to do that, but I can't talk very well. I, there's no way I could do this. And so God said, okay, I'll send your brother and Aaron. I'll bring him into the fold, and he could be your mouthpiece. So we have Moses, and we have his number two, Aaron. Moses has gone to the top of Mount Sinai, and God is laying out the Ten Commandments. He's laying out how to worship, how to live, all of these things. Most scholars believe that he was gone about 40 days. It's important to ultimately place your faith in God, not those that lead you. You see, these people were suffering because their leader was not with them. And folks, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, look, there may come a day when I am not here. There are pastors that have come before me that are no longer here. And our faith is not placed in people. Don't place your faith in me. Place your faith in God because these Israelites placed their faith in Moses and not God. So when Moses is not around, they start to falter. There should never be any church that is built on the charisma and the power of one individual. We should be reflectors that are reflecting the emphasis off of us and placing it 
on God. Because these people were struggling because they felt like there was a vacuum of leadership. And instead of Aaron stepping up, we will see what Aaron did. You see, the Israelites at this point were discounting all that God had already done for them. If you go back and look at verses 1 and 2, I mean, they're talking about Moses as if he is just some guy they ran into down the road. Moses is the one they saw raise his staff and saw the Red Sea split. And they walked on dry land. And when they looked back, as Pharaoh and his army was approaching them, they saw them consumed by that very Red Sea. So Moses is just a guy? No. They lost sight of all of these things. That God has been with them. God has been providing light at night. A cloud in the day. He's been providing food for them. All of these things. And all they're saying is, look, he's taking too long. We want to we wanna do something else. We, 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 we can't take this not knowing what's going on. <clears throat> so they were discounting all that God had already done for them. The same people that saw God deliver them from slavery in Egypt for the hope of a promised land. What we see here is this. Impatience in God's timing is heightened by disregarding all that he has done for you. My friend, if you are in a situation where you feel like God is taking too long, God is right on time. If God is taking too long, in your opinion, think about what he's done to get you to where you are. And it's easier to say it than to do it, but I'm telling you, I've been there and I understand it. When you think, God, what are you doing here? And he says, well, just think about what I've brought you through. My friend, if you are unsure today, if you feel like God is taking too long with a prayer request or too long to let something pan out or too long to be able to sustain you in some way, I'm telling you, God is there and do not get disrupted by the timing of this. But think about all that God has done for you up to this point. So in verse 2, Aaron says to the people, <clears throat> so Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that must have been a sacrifice because I can't see any woman wanting to give away her gold. But there you go. All the earrings, all the things that they had. And he said, bring them to me. The thing is, is that in Genesis chapter 35, verse 4, it tells us that those earrings and those jewelries were, were things that came from their time in Egypt when they were enslaved. So although they are following God, they are going to the promised land, they are still holding on to things from their past. <clears throat> they are still holding on to the trinkets that remind them of those false Egyptian gods that they were forced to follow. You see, even the Israelites' quest to serve God and reach the promised land, they were still holding on to their own ways, holding on to their own habits and the things and relationships that pulled them away from God. And notice here that the Israelites had to give their jewelry away. My friends, let me go ahead and tell you something. When it comes to believing in God and becoming a Christian, if you look at all these other false religions, they require you to give something of yourself in order to gain salvation. Jesus Christ and God himself is the only one that did the giving. 
Jesus Christ gave his life so that you could freely accept the gift and know salvation through his death and be one with God. It says in verse 3, all the people took the gold, <coughs> excuse me, all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, and notice this, <coughs> Aaron melted it down and molded it. Some translations say he took tools and he crafts it into the shape of a calf. When people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, by them saying that, God took issue with that. And you would too, my friend, because Aaron's will, here's Aaron's problem. Aaron was a people pleaser. And maybe some of you in here are people pleasers. I think all of us at some point deal with that. We all want to be liked. We all want to be in good harmony with people. But there are some people that you cannot please and that there are sometimes when God calls you to do something that people are not going to be pleased with. But Aaron did not see that. While Moses is up on the mountain getting the word from God, Aaron, instead of leading these people to worship the Lord, is actually giving in to their desires. Notice the care and purpose Aaron took in making this golden calf. Now the next question would be, why a calf? Why is it a golden cow? Why couldn't it have been a, a golden pig or a golden snake or a golden whatever? Well, if you go back and you look, the gods of Egypt that they used to be surrounded by when they were enslaved, there were two of them uh, predominantly that were, one was called Hapi, H-A-P-I, and the other one was Hathor, and they were believed to be a bull or a cow. So that's that's one thing. And then the Canaanites, the people, you know, God was leading them to Canaan. The Canaanites were the people that were already there. They were pagans. And they believed, they worshipped in the god of Baal, the false god of Baal, B-A-A-L. And again, the formation of that was a cow. So when you look at it now, God's people, the one that God led out of Israel, did all the plagues, split the Red Sea. They are now saying, instead of worshipping that god, they are remembering these other little trinkets and these other little gods that were in Egypt. And they were saying, let's make it out of this. Why were they doing that? Why were they doing that? The question is not why they were doing that, but what was the purpose? And here's the purpose, my friend. And I hope you see this. When you become a Christian, you are a new creature. The old has gone. You are a new person. But there will always be the pull of your old life. And my friends, let me tell you something. If the old way I used to live my life was so good, why, didn't, why don't I go back to it? Because there was a lot of trouble. There was a lot of pain that goes with that. And you would be the same way. But my friends, if you were still holding on to a little bit of the old life, you may get to the point where when God is taking too long, you are going to look to something else. Maybe it's a drink. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's some type of experience. I don't know. But my friend, if you are not letting go of the things you used to do, then they will always be there to pull you back. And that's what's happening here. They lost sight of God. And the worst thing is, <coughs> is that when they say at the end of verse 4, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. 
They just gave credit to these little trinkets and false gods for the work that God had done. Already breaking the commandment of there is no other God before me. Now, I don't know about you, but I would imagine if I were in a corporate setting or in any kind of team setting, or even back when you were in school, you ever remember when you were in school and you had team projects where two or three of your classmates would work on something? And nine times out of ten, you may be the one that either did all the work and everybody got an A, or you might have been that person who did nothing and everybody still got an A. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, when you're in that meeting or you're in that thing and, and the boss or somebody says, well, update, let's update us on our current situation, and you've done the work, you've done the reports, you've done all this stuff, and then your partner all of a sudden stands up and says, let me tell you what I did, and start taking all the credit for it. That would be kind of tough, wouldn't it? Can you imagine these little bitty gods getting the credit for what God, the one true God, had done? You see, idols seek the credit that belongs to God. Idols seek the credit that belongs to God. And my friends, let me go ahead and tell you, idols are not just bad things. Idols are not just the the gossips and the lies and the bad habits. It could be good things. It could be keeping your family so busy that you don't have time for church. It could be (coughs) spending all your time doing those things that you love that keep you away from God's Word. Folks, anything that takes away the emphasis of spending time with God, God calls an idol. And you are giving those things credit for what God is doing in your life. You see, when it comes to control issues and the cow that's formed here, Our control issues tempt us to trade our faith in an all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present, unseen God for smaller things that we can see, that we can manipulate, that are part of our own creation. Too many want to take parts of God's Word that, that the world agrees with while discarding the rest. That's what's happening today in churches, in culture, in society. People are no longer taking the full counsel of God's Word But they are taking pages of it. They are taking portions of it and calling that the gospel. That is not the gospel. We cannot create some type of form of worship that gives credit to these things that are immoral and 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 just not of God and call that worship. Do not give credit to other things for the hand of God is working in your life. Look. When I was preparing this, excuse me one second. <clears throat> when I was preparing this, I thought about that person that says, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I work hard. <clears throat> I do what I need to. I work 40, 60 hours a week. Or I, I've, I've, I've done that and now I'm retired and I, I'm, I'm resting on the, the laurels of all my hard work. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, look, I, I, I agree with you 100%. That is, that, that is hats off to those that do that. We all work for, for what we get. I understand that. But to the person that says, I did it my way, like Frank Sinatra, be careful you're not taking credit for what God has given you. Be very careful. <coughs> Although you have a strong work ethic and you can plan everything out to a T, 
let me tell you, without God, it is futile. Whether you realize it or not, these people were taking credit for what God is doing. That beautiful family that you have is a gift of God. The beautiful things that you have and the freedom that you have in this country is not something that you earned. It is a gift from God. And the result of many people that have stood on the line and even sacrificed their lives so that we could enjoy it. So do not mold a view of God that meets your expectations for him. Read and study God's word to become his expectation for you. See, that's the problem. So many times we want to say, okay, this is what I believe. This is what we all believe. And now this is what it's going to be. And now God, that that is not the way it works. God doesn't bow to what we want. We are to bow to what his word says. So do not place idols before God and call that worship. It says in verse 5, Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. So not only has he made the calf, he has now put an altar in front of it so they can worship it. And I say it, not God, but it. Then he announced tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. Then people got up early the next morning. I mean, that sounds pretty good. It's going to be a festival to the Lord. They got up the next morning. They burnt offerings and peace offerings like they normally would. And after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking and indulged in pagan revelry. In other words, they had a party. They had sexual promiscuity. They had evil of every kind. And they called it worship. We've got to be careful what we deem as worship. Aaron encouraged idol worship by claiming They were worshiping God, and there are churches, and there are congregations, and there are places today that people are eating up a false gospel and calling it church. There is a great danger here. There is a dangerous trend in worship today, the tendency to put the will of the desires of mankind above God's will. I call it man-centered preaching. In other words, our needs are what's most important. And the first characteristic of that is that our needs over God's Word. In other words, the Gospel is centered around meeting our needs and wants rather than what He wants for us. My friends, you can talk about how good God is and how good His grace is. And you can talk about how you need to be a better person and build your self-esteem so that you feel better about yourself And that God honors that. But folks, God also expects you to toe the line. God expects you to be obedient. God expects you to obey His words and His teaching. It's not man first. It's God first. When man was put first, we had a problem. And that was in the garden. And it didn't turn out too well for us. The second thing is, is that people put their experiences as the solutions. In other words, if I go to church and, and I feel the Spirit and I can raise my hands or if I can sit there and I feel like I got fed this morning, then it was something positive. But if not, then, then I got a problem there. It's the belief that our worship experiences and life outcomes are the solutions to our problems. That if you're good enough, 
and try hard enough, then God will love you and bless you. My friends, God loves you whether you got it all together or whether you're the biggest mess up here. It's not about you. It's about him. Man-centered worship is backhanded way of people worshiping themselves. The Israelites here were worshiping while acting just like the non-believers who were influencing them. Folks, you cannot conduct immoral practices and slap the label of worship on it. My friends, we are to live a life that is different from those that do not know the Lord, not to be just like it. So my heartfelt plea is this. If your worship of God costs you nothing, and there is no change in your life since you came to know the Lord, my friend, please evaluate who or what you really worship. The second thing is we see God sends Moses to comfort his people. In verses 7 through 9, the Lord told Moses, quick, go down to the mountain. And notice he says, your people, talking to Moses, you're the leader. Your people, whom you brought from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf. And they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. (coughs) If you don't catch it in the way this is written, God is furious. You ever seen somebody so furious they start crying? That's how mad God was. He was livid. God's people were giving lesser gods credit for his mighty works. And if you're one of those people who think everything you have and achieved has been by your own self-efforts, again, I beg to differ with you. I'm not discounting the work you've done. I'm not discounting your work ethic. But I am warning you to be careful where you give the credit. At this point, God wants to wipe them out. At this point, if we were to leave the Scripture right here, God is about to obliterate them. He's about to hit the reset button. He's not even resetting the button. He's pulling the computer out of the plug of the wall, and he's just going to start from scratch and do a reinstall. It's a scary place to be, isn't it? And as a matter of fact, Moses is sitting pretty. Because basically what God is saying is, look, all this stuff I did with Abraham and about Abraham being the father of of many nations and Abraham being the father of the Israelites and then Jesus coming for that. Forget it. I'm so mad at them. I'm going to throw that in the trash. and We're going to start with you, Moses. Moses, you're going to be my man. (coughs) You see, Moses had a choice to take God up on his offer for the do over with Moses as the beginning of God's people rather than Abraham. But we'll see next week why that just simply won't work. Next week we will look at how God responds to the Israelites' betrayal and what we can take away from it. For today, however, we are left with this thought. When God delays, will you trust Him or try to take control away from Him? When God delays... Will you trust him or try to take control 
away from him. You see, the way we handle God's ordained delays speaks to our level of spiritual maturity. How we handle God's ordained delays, there is a constant pull that seeks to separate you from God. You get that, right? There is always a power that is trying to pull you away from God. And do not let your desire for control lead you to replace your faith in God with anything else. Do not put yourself before God. If you have something, or excuse me, have you, if you have let something else take the place that is meant for God, then today is the day to repent. My friends, if something has come into your life that is pulling you away from God, it could be a good thing. It may be a bad thing, but whatever that may be, I urge you to quit worshiping that golden calf today and destroy it because God doesn't think it's cute. God is not pleased with it. It's called sin, and God hates our sin. That is why we confess, we repent, we are forgiven, and we walk away clean from that. If you are like these Israelites and you're still holding on to old ways of life, my friend, I encourage you to let it go today. Let's pray. God, I thank you for our time together this morning. And Lord, uh, this is serious business, Lord. And Lord, if there's anything in our lives that is pulling us away from you, you tell us to get rid of it. Folks, these, these people in the scripture, the Israelites, they have a constant pattern of disobeying God and then returning to him. And we are lucky to see that Next week, that God's mercy prevails. But it's no laughing matter. It's not cute. And you're not impressed with it, Lord. If there's anybody here today that wants to know for sure that you are their number one, that there are no idols before you, and that, Lord, you are their true God, and everything they have is owed to you, and they want to know that for sure today, may they come forward. I will pray with them. We will rejoice with them in that decision. Maybe there's a Christian today just wants to come to the altar and pray. Maybe there's somebody that's watching by way of video that just wants to send in a message and say, please pray for me. Or reach out to us through that medium. You can do that. But this time of invitation is for a time for you to respond. If you would, please stand.